When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Awesome Etiquette. Our podcast comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> we offer a lot of advice on this show. I mean, it is what we do for a living. And one of my favorite expressions, what's the worst vice? Oh, I hate, advice. I hate that expression <laughs> because we are in the business of giving advice. You're shooting yourself in the foot, It's Daniel. my little reminder to yeah, myself yeah. that you need to be careful. No, it is true. But, um, you know... We, we want to let people know that it's not actually easy always to take our advice. One of the one of the pieces of advice that we put out there is just talk to the person. I mean, how many times have you heard us say, just talk to the person? Think about who's involved. Hey, guess what? It's <laughs> not easy. And we want you to know that we really do recognize it. And we really do utilize this advice in our own lives. And I wanted to to share a story of that today. Um, if you're down, Daniel, no, are you down? I'm, I, I'm curious because because once again, I, I do think this is the, the heart of the show is the self-reflection and the, the willingness to really think about what you're doing. I appreciate your the, willingness what you, what to, you to take us there, out there this no, morning. It's true. I, I had had an incident with a friend and I am going to keep this as anonymous as possible. So it's going to make my story longer. I apologize. But I had I had had an incident with a friend where we had been out downtown and, you know, when we say that, we mean out at, at the bars <laughs> and, and drinking. Understood. Alcohol being consumed. And um, his behavior, like, really, really bothered me. And um, I was trying in my head to, to weigh whether or not, okay, you know, am I being too sensitive for this? This isn't the first time I've seen this behavior come from him, but, like... Why didn't it bother me then or why did I shake it off then? And now I'm finding myself thinking I don't really want to hang out with this person like this really Mm -hmm. it annoyed me and I don't I don't deserve to be around this like it was my own integrity and my own self-worth that was kicking into gear. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to protect myself and it's no harm was going to come. This person is not malicious. I don't want anyone out there to be worried or think that I hang out with. It's that rude behavior, that transgressional behavior that's not so bad or egregious that you storm out or absolutely make a, not but, but it bothers you enough that it's sticking with you and it's you're wondering do i want to hang out with this person yep. and i i remember when you know he and i had, had texted a little bit the a couple days after you know he had mentioned that he couldn't 
you know, like, oh man, what a night that was. Like, I had the worst hangover and this, that, Not and the other thing. Not even that clear about what he was doing. Clearly, yeah, this, and at the time I didn't bring anything up because I was just like, I was still annoyed and I also was just like, he doesn't even freaking remember that he was acting in a way that was, you know, embarrassing or difficult to handle. But I found myself not calling this person to get together for hikes or walks or the things that we do normally that don't even involve alcohol or anything like that night on the town. Yeah. And it it got to the point where I was like, I I should I had been talking to a girlfriend about it. And I was like, I should really tell this guy what I think. But it's hard. It is hard to do just what we say. Just talk to the person. And he had reached out to me about a month and a half after or a month after we had had this exchange that night. And um, we had actually been talking via Facebook Messenger. And I just decided I'm going to pick up the phone and call him. Following? Our Our advice! advice. (laughs) I know. I literally listened to us. (laughs) And I said, I'm calling. And this is really hard for me. And it's hard because I've imagined all the ways in which this could go wrong and I could lose you as a friend because of it. But I realized that I'm losing you as a friend because I'm not saying anything anyway. Mm -hmm. And our friendship matters to me. And I need you to know that that night that we hung out and things got a bit overboard, it's, it's happened before in the past and it affected me this time in a way that I realized was making me question my self-worth and making me question things about our friendship and whether it was a good idea to continue it. But I kept thinking to myself, I love our talks. I love our walks together when we go hiking. You weren't someone I wanted to lose as a friend, but I was so disappointed and I was so scared that if I brought it up, you were just going to think, oh gosh, she's so either dramatic or sensitive or any of these these things that could be considered negative as opposed to just going with the flow and forgetting it. But I've realized it's bothered me enough that I haven't talked to you in a month and a half. I should probably say something if I ever want us to yeah. speak again and if I Good want it you. to really work. He was really great about it. Um, I was just, I'm guessing it went very well based it, on the way you're, it was the way still, you're talking about it. Was it was awkward. I mean, like, I, I'll fully admit there was a point where I welled up and was kind of in tears because I just mm-hmm. I was I was realizing just how hard this can be. Yep. And he said, you know, I don't remember that happening. I, I don't remember my behavior. But he said, you're telling me I have done it before, but this time it pushed it over the edge for you. And because you're in a different situation in life, it it changed how you felt about what had happened. And I was like, yeah, it really did. And he actually said, I'm really glad you told me. But he can't remember it. And I think it's really hard to apologize for something you don't remember. So he said, I'm so sorry that this had this effect on you. And he said, what I'm hoping is that having had this conversation will mean that in the future, if I have that one drink too many, subconsciously, I'll be more aware of my actions just for having had this conversation. He's like, I'm always willing to listen. I do care about you as a friend. And it was really nice to get to that part of the conversation. And I told him, I was like, I don't want you to have to apologize for something you can't even remember having had made an effect on me about, you know? It, it was just interesting. It was it was interesting. It was one of the most difficult conversations I've had recently. Yeah. And, it's, and not because it went badly, but because of all the things that make it hard to just talk to the person. Yeah. I mean, you and I are often thinking about 
all the various ways a situation can go. So for me, rather than thinking, oh, the most positive thing will be that he'll say, Lizzie, thank you so much for telling me this and I'll get to apologize. And instead, I'm the one who worries about all the bad things that could come of the conversation. And I'll admit, we get a lot of calls or a lot of emails in our office with people really um, saying how upset they are about certain situations. So those are always in my mind as this is how people react. And it was so nice to be reminded of the good reaction. And it it, it wasn't like flowery and glowing. It was just something that made made our friendship be able to move forward. And and I didn't I didn't want him to get hung up on this. And I don't feel like he has been. And it's been so nice that that's been the outcome of just talk to the person. A little friendship repair. You reestablish yeah. that social architecture so the relationship grows. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 all of the things that we talk about being important. And I really I really don't want people to read too much into this. I know I'm using a lot of words and dancing around of a lot of things. I hope you're not imagining big horrible things happening because this person would not deserve that. But it was also about how I was at a very vulnerable place in my life at the time that we had hung out and his actions just hurt me because he knew what a vulnerable place I was in. But the drinking and everything had gotten him to a place where he's not thinking about that, you know. But I do just I really want our readers or listeners, excuse me, and our readers, since some people read us, to understand that the advice we give, it is not given lightly. And it's it's not given in a world where we think it's like a 1980s sitcom where, oh, the simple thing is said and then all is right and the credits roll. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. When we say you need to talk to your friend, you may talk to that friend and it may still be months before you feel like you're back to the to the right spot with them. Um, It's very hard to do the just talk to the person part of it. Hmm. But nine times out of 10, it goes the right way. And it it does make you stronger in the long term. Bravo. Good work. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's way too much about our lives and and probably not enough details about them. But we should probably get to some questions. Do you think or do you have a thought or? No, let's let's take some questions. All right, let's do it. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. 
Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Sure, you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get started. Michelle writes, I've read elsewhere that you're not supposed to use your napkin for a Kleenex. What does one do if they sneeze at the table and there is obvious drainage? I understand the importance of them excusing themselves to the restroom, but what do they do meanwhile until they can get to the restroom? Thanks, Michelle. Well, Michelle, this is not the first time we've got a question about (laughs) sneezing. In fact, Cousin Anna is a spokesperson for flu awareness, and she would tell you with some confidence and certainty that the appropriate thing to do when you sneeze is to sneeze into the crook of your arms. You want to sneeze into sort of the the backside of your elbow. Good description. Um, I like that. If you're sitting at the table, you can think about pointing your elbow about 180 degrees away from the table because you want to turn away from the people that you're dining with, sneeze into the crook of your arm. All right. So that's what you should do. That's the the A-plus. 100% 100% answer. But what about the drainage? What about the drainage? What about there's now mess on your arm or there's mess running on down face. on your face? Um, I say right in that immediate moment, you cover up. Put a hand over it. Put your napkin up over it. You're not using your napkin as a Kleenex. You're not blowing into it. But just to cover yourself up a little bit. And then magic words are magic. Excuse yourself from the table. Pardon me just a minute. Excuse me just a second. Get up. Leave the table. Go to the restroom. Get yourself cleaned up. Blow your nose as much as you need to. <laughs> maybe even get an extra... Napkin or two for your pocket or oh, good paper idea. towel or toilet paper or something. Thinking for the future. Um, if you need a new napkin, get your server's attention or swap up on your way back to the table. You should be in great shape. But you're absolutely right. You don't want to be using your napkin as, as a Kleenex. A Kleenex. And, and Dan's advice doesn't make you do that. It's just using the napkin as cover and then discarding the napkin so that you don't need to. I mean, obviously not in the trash can, but swapping it out. Magic words are magic. Never forget. Just excuse me, pardon me, and yes, you're off to safety. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Michelle. Take care. Our next listener was incredibly brief, but I am so happy about this question. Anonymous writes, I have been trying to find out Emily Post's view on whether or not it is permissible to go through someone else's cell phone. Anonymous it is not. It's not okay. It is snooping is not okay. I'm going to say it. Not your computer, not your tablet, not your mail, nothing. Do not snoop. Respect for privacy. It's huge. It's a massive trust thing. The spheres that we can expect to experience some personal privacy in are shrinking all the time. They're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we just need to treasure those last few bastions of privacy that we've got. And we need to learn to respect each other's privacy in this this brave new world. We do. And, and truthfully, I understand it. There are some relationships in which someone chooses to give up that privacy because of past incidents. Um, And that's a way of continuing to build trust with one another. But let's face it, if you're in that situation, 
I mean, if I'm trying to hide stuff from you, I'm going to hide it from you. I'm going to delete it from my phone. You're not going to find anything. Th- that's how that's going to work if I'm really thinking about it. <laughs> if I'm going to be sneaky, I'm going to be sneaky. If I'm going to be sneaky, I'm going to be sneaky. And um, it's it's not okay for you to go through someone else's phone. I remember one time, um, actually, when I was living in California, I was really struggling. This was the end of a relationship Um, I was really, really struggling with the ending of this relationship. And I had been Skype chatting with um, my best friend who at the time lived in London. And I was telling her about the problems I was having. She's my best friend. This is the person I talked to. I didn't have a therapist. You know, your best friend is the person you confide in. And sure enough, my boyfriend went through And looked at the conversation and got mad at me about it. And I said, you should be mad at yourself. You read something that was private. And I was working something out to get to a point where I could talk to you in a way that I felt comfortable about it. Mm -hmm. And you should know that I expect that you are talking to certain very trusted people in your life about me and about what we're going through. And I wouldn't expect to know every detail of that conversation. No, I expect to wait (laughs) until you are ready to talk to me about it to find out what you have to say. And that is something that I think is just so important for us to realize that just because we have someone that we have committed our lives to, said vows to in some circumstances, this does not mean that this person is an open book. Privacy is important. It really is. And um, I'll I'll reflect some advice that uh, another popular advice podcaster, Dan Savage, often gives. Love Dan Savage. And he says, just don't snoop because it never – there is no good outcome to snooping. Say say you find something. Now you're the snooper and and you've got to confront the person with it. Say you don't find anything. Now you're just someone who snoops around in a totally trustworthy person's stuff. Um, And and maybe it's not snooping. Maybe in this case it's, oh, I just – like to look around. I'm not even looking for anything bad or or, or incriminating. Uh, it just doesn't set you up well. It's not a, pl- a place of integrity that you want to be operating from. So not only is it not permissible, it's not advisable. I agree completely. Long answer, short question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not okay to look through someone Super else's cell phone. Super important question though, especially in this digital age. Rebecca would like to know, do you have to send a thank you card in response to a condolence card? I love it when we get the super traditional question. This the something that really is like that. Why would you want an Emily Post etiquette book? Because this is the kind of situation you're in once or twice in a lifetime and you need an answer. It comes up. Um, it is. It's actually called an acknowledgement card. You're acknowledging a condolence that someone had given you. And, and you, do, you do give thanks in it. Um, you absolutely must. It is one of those times in your life, just like receiving a wedding gift or a baby shower gift, that it's a seminal moment in your life. And it's really important that you acknowledge that someone has reached out to you during a time of great grieving and need. It's okay to have family and very close friends write on your behalf, but it is still something that needs to be handwritten, that needs to come in a a fairly quick amount of time, and it does need to happen. It is one of those. It's just the, it is the right thing to do. It can feel overwhelming, particularly when there has been a lot of sympathy expressed. But it's (laughs) also, people say it is actually a wonderful part of the grieving process, that it's very healing to write these notes and to acknowledge people reaching out to you during a difficult time, that it kind of helps you get through it. 
We, we, we hear that all the time. I'd just like to mention, we had a guest on the show a couple weeks ago, Stephen Petro, um, and he writes a great tech etiquette column, and he was dealing with a question of is whether or not it's appropriate to send uh, tech condolence notes or uh, messages or emails expressing condolence. And he really held the line, and I really appreciated reading that from him because we do too. There are times in life when that handwritten note really is important, and the condolence card is one of them. And it really is a, a lovely and beautiful process, the, the, the handwritten personalized condolence card and the response that then comes to it. Um, it really gives a chance to, to honor the person who's passed. So we hope that helps, Rebecca. Bill wants to know, the son of a father named, for example, John R. Stewart, if the parents may be named John R. Stewart Jr., as often happens, but that should not mean or require that the father tack on senior to his name. The father's birth certificate did not have senior with his name. <laughs> the fact that his name is John R. Stewart differentiates his name from his son's junior designation. Why do so many people tack on senior after their son is named junior? This seems unnecessary and incorrect. Um, Bill, you're, you're correct in thinking that the birth certificate would not have senior on it because you can't have a senior until there is a junior. So often until junior is born and named with junior after his name, there isn't a, that's the moment when a senior becomes a possibility. And you're, he, I do think that he has a point in saying that John R. Stewart differentiates from the son's junior. But I think when people are talking about them, um, even in our family where there aren't juniors, but there's Peter, my father, and then we call Pete, Peter Tucker, yeah. or little Peter, which we don't, we do, as he's a grown man with his own business now, we try not to do that mm -hmm. to him. But it's, it's not sort of, um, Dan, you, when, when we were looking at this question together, you were talking about how it's not really until that young one is established. Start, starts to establish himself in a way that um, it's not so obvious that they're the junior. When you're talking about him and his accomplishments, there might actually be some confusion. Right. That, that oftentimes that senior starts to emerge as a way to differentiate between two mat mature men. Absolutely. It's not that it has to be on his birth certificate or that he needs to go legally change his name. It's just it's a differentiator between the two gentlemen. And it is it does show respect to the to the one that is the elder of the two. And it's not probably used as commonly as the junior for all the reasons that that our writer that our our, our listener talks about here. But but it is a perfectly acceptable designation to use. And, perfectly acceptable. And doesn't indicate an elt like uh, <laughs> that someone's old necessarily. <laughs> so it is neither unnecessary nor incorrect from what we know. Bill, we hope that that helps answer your question. Beth has a question that couldn't be uh, more perfect for my cousin Lizzie, who is a big fan of all things New Orleans. <laughs> I will be going to two Mardi Gras balls this year and have a question. Is it proper to wear black full-length gloves instead of white? Thanks. Beth. Um, I Dan's right that I am I am Mardi Gras obsessed, and as Mardi Gras when this show airs will be tomorrow, Fat Tuesday. I am incredibly excited. Uh, I am about to order king cake for the office because that is my favorite thing. I got the baby. Actually, that then means Dan should order the king cake. Uh, wasn't it two years ago I got the baby? <laughs> no, believe it was last year. Anyway, king cake, some babies aside, uh, I reached out to the one person I know who knows Mardi Gras and Mardi Gras balls better than any. She has been a Mardi Gras queen herself, and um, she is my dear friend, Miss Janie Glade, who is a graduate of our Train the Trainer program. And a true friend of the Institute. A true friend of the Institute, a very good friend of mine. 
she's who I was down visiting in New Orleans a few months ago. And I'm going to quote Miss Janie Glade. Mardi Gras is about tradition. And when it comes to Mardi Gras, you don't muck, that's M-U-C-K for those who are worried, with tradition. She's right. Mardi Gras tradition is that you wear full length um, uh, white kid opera gloves. I talked to her on the phone briefly after she sent me that wonderful quote, and she said that you might not be allowed on the dance floor if you are in anything other. Your gloves, as I got a wonderful description from her friend who had had written it up on a a website, um, in fact said no adornments, no nothing. They they can have the three buttons right at the wrist Hmm. to allow you to put them on more easily, and that's it. There, it is very specific. And she said, should you choose to wear anything else, you might not be allowed on the dance floor. It'll be questioned whether you'll be invited back. And you will most likely be whispered about. And that doesn't sound very nice, ladylike, nor proper. It's just simply the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I greatly appreciated that. But Mardi Gras is extremely, it, it is tied in tradition, is rooted to tradition, and you must follow that tradition. There's a reason for it. I really like that respect for tradition. There's, And, and sometimes there's no better answer than that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are sorry that the black gloves won't work, but we do think you will feel more comfortable. Um, and if someone else is not wearing their traditional long white kid gloves, you by all means can know that you are in the right for wearing yours. And by all means, have a fantastic Yes, time. I'm very, very jealous. <laughs> Janie invites me down every year and I have yet to go and I am dying to go to a Mardi Gras ball. I really, really want to. So my, my jealousy is on level 10 <laughs> right now. <laughs> but Beth, we hope that helps you out. This next question begins, Dear Emily Post team, and I always like it when we're like Team Emily Post. (laughs) (laughs) My family was quite proper with properly addressing adults with a term of respect. I was always, however, perplexed as to how to properly address my parents' cousins. They would be of an age that I would feel the need to use Mr., Mrs., or Ms. However, because of the familial connection, this does not feel right. Do you have any ideas? Kind regards, Adam. Adam, I like the thoughtfulness of your question. You're really thinking about how to show respect and care for family without introducing artificial distance or impose formality on the relationship that doesn't feel right. Whenever you have a question about how to address someone, you can always ask them. You can always say, you know, what should I call you? I know you're my mom's cousin, but what should I call you? I definitely had parental cousins who were practically aunts and uncles and right. were sometimes even referred to as, as aunts and uncles. <laughs> um, sometimes it was a it was cousin so and so. And oftentimes the the family relationship became the title that I would use with those people. So that happens in our my family aunt Anne or yeah. cousin Neil or and so the title becomes the family relationship. It's not inappropriate to use a Mr. a Ms. or a Mrs. Um, sometimes done with the right tone and affection. I, I was talking to Lizzie the other day. Every once in a while I like to call my Uncle, Uncle Bill Mr. Post. And But if I say it with a, with a smile and... A sweetness. You always do it with a jovial sweetness. Then then it doesn't introduce that artificial distance. And I, and I think that Sometimes they even appreciates that honorific, that respect. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can play it. But the, the, the root of my advice always around titles and our advice, I'm, I think Lizzie would agree, is you can yes. ask people what they prefer and then honor that. And you can also always – I mean I'm, I'm hoping your parents are around to ask. But you could ask your parents too. I mean these are the people who have idea. instilled the, the wonderful advice and, and the um, attention to formality in you that they have. And it's always good to say, hey, you know, I just wanted to check that I'm not being disrespectful by calling cousin Brad cousin Brad and not calling him 
Mr. Keeler, you know. <laughs> I've heard you call this person Aunt Lucky. She's technically my great aunt. What do I call her? Yeah. You call her Aunt Lucky. Okay, <laughs> Okay, <great>. thank you <laughs> so much. <laughs> Easy. Good luck, Adam. I love our next question because it's it's a question we actually get about our etiquette books often, but it's the podcast version of it. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Really enjoy the podcast. Like to listen to it on my commute. My question is, If you enjoy an etiquette podcast and think some of your friends would enjoy it too, how would you recommend it to them without it sounding like you think they're rude and need etiquette help? (laughs) Sincerely, Shrina. Shrina, best question of the day by far. (laughs) Um, You know, I I think you just got to be really honest with them. Tell them that you've discovered the best podcast you've ever heard ever and that you really don't think that their life's going to be complete unless they give it a try. No, but all jokes aside, it's really whether it's an etiquette book or whether it's an etiquette podcast or an etiquette show, it's totally appropriate to say, hey, this is something I've been really enjoying. I thought you'd like it, too. There's no shame in it. You know, and if the other person says, hey, were you trying to to point something out to me? Was there a hidden meaning? You can say, oh, no, I just love it so much. But, you know, like, wouldn't that have been funny? I'll tell you, um, I sympathize. There are podcasts that I love and I try to get the people that are close to me to listen to them too so that we can talk about them together. Dan, and it's been... I am not going to listen to the Patriots <laughs> podcast. I am a New Orleans Saints fan. It's been an uphill struggle. It's been a Sisyphean struggle. I, I, I keep going for it. I keep trying. <laughs> I keep reintroducing. One of the reasons Serial was so much fun for me was there were a lot of other people listening to it too. And yes. it, it really is fun to share the conversation. So I, I appreciate the impulse and, and I wish you good luck. And please do continue to, to share the Share the word and spread the news about this podcast because we love doing it. And remember, too, that you can always, like, put our podcast in with some of the other Infinite Guest podcasts. So you can say, I found this awesome Infinite Guest network that has all these great podcasts. A couple of my favorites are... Because let's face it, we're a part of the greatest (laughs) podcast community. (laughs) Yes, shameless self-promotion. Thank you for giving us the chance to do so, Shrina. (laughs) Shrina, you are uh, truly a champion of etiquette. Thank you so much for your question. A listener writes, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. During the holidays, I was invited by my son and daughter-in-law to spend it with them at her parents' house. They have a close, large family and are generous and gracious hosts. A few nights, they planned dinners at local restaurants, which included all their children, their spouses, grandchildren, and, of course, me. If it were just my hosts, of course, one of the dinners I would have offered to pay for the entire dinner as a thank you for their hospitality. However, since the family was so large, it would have been very expensive to pay for all of them. I felt at least I should have offered to pay for my own meal but didn't want to offend them. I also didn't want them to think that I just assumed they would pay for me since I was staying with them and being included in the family gatherings. Finances are not an issue with them, and these dinners were not a hardship, but I still felt awkward about just letting them pay each time. I asked my daughter-in-law if I could offer to at least pay my portion, and she said she was sure they wouldn't accept it. What is the best way to handle this situation in the future if they invite me to stay again? I love being included in the family festivities, but want to at least offer to pay my portion instead of worrying that I'm just taking advantage of their generosity without offending them. Thank you for your advice, Caroline. Caroline, Dan and I read your email to us and just absolutely fell in love with you because (laughs) you are doing everything your 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 mind is t- totally coming from a place of respect and consideration and awareness of others and we can just hear it in every single sentence that you wrote and i'm just so i'm so so pleased to answer this question basically i think you've done everything you could next year what i would try to do 
is um, talk with them in advance and say, it was so amazing. I'm so happy to be in- included. Your generosity is incredible. But I would love to have the opportunity to treat you to a meal or to do a meal, whether it's at home or at a restaurant, you know, for everyone. So if there's going to be the cousins and everyone included, maybe do a, a home-cooked meal that's a little easier on your budget, but still something that incorporates everyone and you're the one taking care of it so you can feel like you're contributing. Or you could say, you know, next time we visit, I would love to reserve one night where I can take you out to a really special dinner. Um, and that way you can you can get that that reciprocation that you're looking for, but mostly accepting their generosity and and showing your gratitude for it is the best thing that you can do. And aside from that, you know, a really spe- an, an extra special hostess gift would be you know another way. But I'm I'm just envisioning this family. So many people at the holidays feel like, oh gosh, we're married now. It's going to be your family or my family. And I just love yeah. the thought of this family all together. <laughs> really it makes nice. me so happy. <laughs> when a couple can bring two families together. It's 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 really remarkable. It's a really special thing. And um, the care that you're taking with this situation really is. It's heartwarming. And the attention that you're giving to not taking advantage of this generosity, I think, is is, is really – it's appropriate. And at the same time, your concern about not making a scene and making too big a, an issue out of too small a point at the wrong moment is also really – Yes, I'm so um, glad she <clears throat> listened to her daughter-in-law and, and kind of asked her first. We often say go to the person you're closest with and ask them what – their parents or their someone would appreciate. And as I'm listening to Lizzie's answer to you, she's talking about accepting and receiving generosity. And that is, it's, it's a real skill. It's not easy for everyone. At the same time, expressing gratitude. If there was ever uh, a situation where your heartfelt and handwritten thank you note is going to be extra appreciated and, and probably, um, judging by how you write, uh, really well done and crafted, <laughs> um, I think this is one of those moments to to to... to to, to not miss that opportunity and yeah. definitely the the thoughtful hostess gift next time there it might be a short weekend big family you might not have an opportunity to just get these folks alone a- alone and if you can i do think that's a great idea to, to send to, something afterwards but or... but if their focus is really on the, the the extended family for that maybe it's a brief period of time um mm-hmm. there, there are other ways you can acknowledge that thanks with a really nice hostess gift and a, th- a personalized handwritten thank you note and and i do think it's something she could talk Talk with your daughter-in-law about and say, you know, I loved this so much. If this is how your family would like to do it again next year, I just wanted to say, I I just want to make a mention that I'd love to do something, you know, during our time together. Um, That way you can build it in early. I mean, you don't have to do it. It's February. You don't have to do it now. (laughs) But, you know, as the holidays start to approach in September, that sort of thing, as people start thinking about where they're going to spend the holiday, it's a good time to approach that and, and put that desire on your own part to contribute and and be a part of it and be be gracious and, and grateful about it. I really like how you're enlisting the daughter-in-law's aid. Yeah. <laughs> it's <you know>. smart. <laughs> I just, I'm so happy for this family. Anyway, Caroline, thank you so much for writing to us. And we hope that next year is just as wonderful as this year for you and during the holidays. many, season. many years after that. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. 
If we answered your questions on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just remember to use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your question on the show. For our postscript, social, social studies, studies. segment today, <laughs> well, we're calling this one the Awesome Etiquette Mailbag because we are dipping into our mailbag or inbox, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, we have updates for you as well as some comments to share. Um, we received possibly one of the most beautifully written thank you notes I've ever gotten from our dear friend Austin. If you remember, Austin was the gentleman who wrote in to us. Uh, we saved his question for the Stephen Petro show, and he talked about whether or not to let all the folks saying that they would love to hook him up with a great girl, um, whether or not to tell them, actually, I have a boyfriend, I'm all set, thank you very much. And Austin wrote to us to A, thank us for our advice, and B, um, let us know that he would be bringing his boyfriend to an event. Um, which was sort of, I thought, the, the, the boldest but also in a lot of ways classiest of Stephen's advice to Austin. And I loved that that was the option that Austin had selected. So it was really wonderful to hear that from Austin and to hear that things are going well for him and that it was successful. Indeed. Thank you for that update, Austin. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, the next comment that we had is in response to our question about working out at a college gym and wondering how to handle people talking on their cell phones. Um, our, our listener wrote, Dear uh, Lizzie and Dan, I hope this message finds you both well. I love the podcast, which I stumbled on by happenstance several weeks ago and enjoy on my commute. My question arose after listening to episode 20, where you offered some advice to a listener in regards to treadmill neighbors being on the phone. After hearing the question... I thought almost nothing of the situation, but after listening to your discourse, it was clear that people may have very different norms. You've spoken before about how etiquette differs in various regions and that it may change over time, and this concept fascinates me. You see, I'm a millennial and a candidate for a master's in sociology, and cell phone usage norms are something that come up in my head often. When hanging out with friends, I often take note of how much people use their phones, where they set their phones, etc. From what I've witnessed, many people in my generation have a tendency to interact with with their world through multidimensional engagement. And to many of us, it is completely normal. This all leads me to my question. If the gym at this college is full of millennials, like me, who don't view talking on your cell phone on a treadmill, non-norm-violating rude behavior, <laughs> which I loved the way he phrased that, wouldn't it then be bad etiquette to ask them to stop? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you in advance for your time and consideration. Best, Justin. What do you think about what Justin says? Because we do talk about how a lot of it is about the culture that you're in. And if you are at yeah. a gym, and I think that's what you said when you answered the question. If you're at a gym where this rule is acceptable. Yeah, it's funny. We we, we, it's we put it out that maybe you're in a, a college athletic facility that probably is filled with millennials and digital natives, the way Justin's describing here, and that that might be the norm there. It might be an uphill battle and not a battle you want to fight to try to get people to not use their cell phones on treadmills. But the question is, is that the rule at this gym or is it, I think what he's getting at is, is it just the culture that's emerged at this gym? Yep. And I think that's the key difference. If it's a rule at this gym that you are allowed to talk on your cell phones and that's the culture the facility has mm -hmm. said, is going to be part of the culture, then 
it's okay. But if it's just what emerges out of commonality, <laughs> I'm not so yeah. sure. Is it the lowest common denominator or is it oh, the wisdom of crowds? Yeah. And 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 that's that's ever the question. I love the subtlety of this reply because um, Justin's wrestling with how these norms change over time and how you... And we do too, just how, so you know. This is what we do, Justin. How do you assess the utility of a manner that's coming or going from fashion? Does it still work or doesn't it? And... Um, the the criteria that we use at the Emily Post Institute is how does it serve human relationships? And that ultimately we think of etiquette as social architecture. And so when we're trying to ask that question ourselves, is this traditional etiquette still useful? Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes it's it's the utility of that that manner to relationships that helps us assess and, and, and answer that question well. Um, the cell phone question – is one where where we find that really putting the primacy of human relationship first and foremost often means putting that cell phone down, deprogramming that Pavlovian response <laughs> to that little chime that goes off and gives us such rewards. And, and being aware of the people around you. And this is still negative. This, this one-sided conversation that we hear is often still a negative experience for the people mm-hmm. around you. And it's why we haven't yet said, okay – commonality in this environment trumps exactly and the, the experience we're not yeah. luddites we're not trying to arrest history right. and 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 um not move forward exactly not be in fact the the heart of good etiquette is also practical so it's important to ask these questions and to think about norms and how they change and evolve um i, I will also just tell you that having been doing this business now for eight years i find more and more often some of the clues that we find in traditional etiquette and behavior um really provide a uh, some kind of guide in new and uncharted territory that i'm 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 less quick to abandon some of those traditional etiquettes and I, I find myself more and more often looking for what the heart of that traditional etiquette is and how it applies in the current situation. Is that an eloquent way of saying you're getting old? Maybe. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> anyway, Justin, thank you for the thoughtful reply um, and, and, and let's we'll continue see. this discussion. Yeah, you know, as time goes on, we'll see we'll see what the answer turns into. But for now, we still think we're 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 on the mark with saying that it's really best to put the cell phone down or to think about how your behavior on a cell phone affects the people most closest to you who can yeah, hear what you're, you're in proximity about. with. Yeah. Our next comment comes from Sharina, and it's in regards to our questions from Broke, who asked about tipping norms. Broke was the one who was often seeing her friends tip 40 percent, and she just couldn't afford tipping that mm-hmm. much. She wanted permission to tip the normal 15 to 20 percent. Exactly. Uh, Sharina's wondering, I was quite surprised by your recent podcast where you seemed to say that it was never under any circumstances appropriate not to tip at a restaurant. Could you clarify this a bit? Are you really saying that even if the service is absolutely terrible, you still need to tip 15 percent and talk to the manager? I'm British, so the whole tipping thing is different here anyway, but this just didn't seem right to me. I suppose I feel like when you pay for a service, any service, if that service is not performed up to standard, you shouldn't have to pay for it. So if I got a horrible haircut that wasn't what I asked for, I wouldn't pay for it, not full price at least. Similarly, when I paid for a packing service, when I moved house and they did an incomplete job, I refused to pay for the full cost of the service. I don't quite understand why you seem to be saying that waiters and waitresses are the only exception to this. Even if they do a horrible job, they should still be paid the same. Thanks. 
Dan, I actually, you have a great answer for this, so I'm going to toss this right back to you. That the, the, there, there is a rock-solid, ironclad social contract when you eat out in America that you're going to tip for service. And that tip is thought of as part of the, the wage that the server earns. It's not a little gratuity. It's not something extra. It really is um, – it, it's, it's built into the system, the way the restaurant industry works in the United States, that servers count on those tips. They are not protected by minimum wage laws. Uh, they don't earn a minimum wage and they pay taxes on those tips. That's how, that's how integrated that tipping system is into the way that we, the way that we pay service and, and wait staff in the United States. And this maybe this isn't the right way to think about it, but the idea just popped into my head, so I'm going to toss it out there. Um, have you ever had a bad day at work where you didn't do your best? I think that's a really good analogy. Did your salary get cut because of it on that particular day? Did you notice a dip in it? And it's granted, I know, I know the answer to this is, hey, you know, we're talking about a service industry where, you know, hey, when I do a really great job at work, it's not like I get a bonus for every single awesome thing I do above and beyond. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's important to recognize that we really try to take. Um, to, to not let your money do your speaking for you. And when we start giving out the advice that you should um, tip less, 5% or a penny, something insulting to really let them know, you're really trying to use a monetary system to deliver bad news as opposed to your words. And I think we really come down on the side of clarity is important. And it's important to talk to that manager and, and say, you know, I came here expecting the best. I didn't get it. Um, often that's when the manager will do something and, and say, you know, yeah. either they'll give you a voucher or something. And I'm not saying that you do it with the intention of getting the payback. You know, I, I, I do say that you do it with the intention of saying, I was disappointed in what I thought was going to be a good experience, in, and it wasn't. In the spirit of what you raise in yeah. your question, that if, if 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 you pay for a service or something and it's not delivered, or that, that yeah, no, that's the time that you talk to the establishment, you talk yeah. to the owner, and and you you try to come to some. You come from a much better place if you hold up your end of the deal than you do. If you act badly in return, two negatives do not make an etiquette positive. And we get a lot of questions about tipping. So we always appreciate the opportunity to clarify, dive a little deeper, or reinforce the point. And one day, maybe America <laughs> will change its system and it will make more sense. <laughs> Which topic for a future podcast could be coming. If you talk about the way etiquette trends change and, and things um, evolve over time. I see the more European system maybe ooh. emerging here at some ooh, point. Ooh, I like it. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks. Our etiquette salute today comes from a listener. It begins, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'd like to nominate my great neighbor, Karen, for an etiquette salute. I regularly borrow library books and DVDs. As a library volunteer, Karen often finds herself there. She often offers to return items for me when she's there. As you may know, like Vermont, Boston has a lot of snow recently. We do know it's a big problem it down is a big there. Problem. While Karen offered to return things this week, weather kept her from getting over there as quickly as she'd hoped. As a result, two of the items were a day or two late. Karen not only covered the small fine, but left me a note and closing the receipt so I could make sure the credit was awarded to my account. Oh, so she didn't have to pay double having Karen paid it she wouldn't also have to pay it. Really thoughtful. Very thoughtful. <laughs> it's so great to have lovely neighbors like Karen. Love the show, Jamie. 
thank you so much, Jamie. That is exactly the kind of etiquette salute we love and appreciate here. And I'll tell you, I was just recently appreciating my neighbor who plows my driveway for me every time the car is not there. And here's to good neighbors everywhere. A a, a big etiquette salute to all of those folks out there who, who continue to give neighbors a good name. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Well, that's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We hope to one day be called the click and clack of etiquette, but we need your help to make our show as great as Car Talk. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Did you actually know that click and clack mentioned Emily Post at one point? They did their little thing where they say that they're a part of NPR whatever it is and they they say an Emily Post would drop her fork to hear us say it and I swear to you I almost drove off the road when I heard that anyway (laughs) if you like what you hear don't be shy tweet it Facebook post it and of course you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review on Facebook or the Emily Post Institute and on Twitter I'm at Daniel underscore post and I'm at Lizzie A. Post or you can visit our website emilypost.com our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner